Welcome to another episode of the Vestibule Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Vest, founder and publisher of the Substack newsletter, The Vestibule. This episode is titled Time's Orphan and bears the subtitle, Doctor Who Flux Crosses the Finish Line in The Vanquishers. This review was first published on January 20th, 2022, and was written by myself, Jason P. Vest. The episode's pedigree is as follows. The Vanquishers, Chapter 6 of Series 13 season-long, 6-episode, serialized story subtitled Flux, was written by Chris Chibnall and directed by Azure Salim. It stars Jodie Whittaker as the 13th Doctor, Mandip Gill as Yasmin Yaz Khan, and John Bishop as Dan Lewis. The Vanquishers guest stars Nadia Albina as Diane Curtis, Jacob Anderson as Instant V. Vinder, Craig Ells as Carvinista, Barbara Flynn as Ossock, also known as Tecteun, Thaddea Graham as Belle, Kevin McNally as Eustatius Jericho, Steve Oram as Joseph Williamson, Johnny Mathers as Passenger, Craig Parkinson as the Grand Serpent, Gemma Redgrave as Kate Lethbridge Stewart, Roshenda Sandal as Azure, Annabelle Scully as Claire Brown, Sam Spruill as Swarm, Dan Starkey as Senstarg, Shallow, and Kragar, and Jonathan Watson as Stink. The episode is 60 minutes long and was first broadcast on both BBC One and BBC America on December 5th, 2021. And now, on with the show. You're generating the final waves of the flux from here. Now I release you. thinks running will help. Good. Quick. What would happen if I rip off this conversion plate? You will be pulled back into the universe. I have to get back to Earth. Can you locate my TARDIS? Parting so soon. Neighborhood went downhill. I'm leaving this behind. I have located your TARDIS, Doctor. Hurry along, Ed. All your erased memories. All those hidden lies. Don't you want to explore them with us? You're not going to leave us, Doctor. Systems functional. Exit available. Watch me. How do you know the Doctor? I'm the leader of human resistance against Sontaran occupation. The name's Stuart. Kate Stuart. Here? Where's here? Also, I was... Yes! Dan! Kate Stewart! Kate Stewart! Jericho! And a Victorian-looking bloke! What's hard is... And a lot of doors. Wait. <sighs> but seriously, how am I here? I'm on Cavernister's ship. And also... And yet you are. There is danger. This is not usual. You're telling me that's not usual? Seems you are unable to tear yourself away. That does not belong to you. Do you think we're going to stop? After all the time you've made me wait. This is better than we could ever have hoped. We have everything we need. Division. The power to destroy your universe. And you. Section 1. 
go. This is the end. Or is it? Doctor Who Flux concludes bang, 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 and with nary a whimper in sight. The Vanquishers is the fittingly titled sixth and final chapter of Series 13's ambitious serial. Although this installment may not quell all doubts about writer and showrunner Chris Chibnall's ability to engineer a pleasing resolution to Flux, it still fulfills more of Flux's promise than I thought possible. My review, titled Staying Alive, of Chapter 5, titled Survivors of the Flux, anatomizes the storytelling challenges that Chibnall faces in Chapter 6, principally that Flux includes more characters, events, themes, and symbols than he can possibly pay off, given Series 13's abbreviated episode count. Even if we include the three specials already commissioned by the British Broadcasting Corporation, or BBC, for 2022, New Year's Day's Eve of the Daleks, Easter 2022's Legend of the Sea Devils, and Autumn 2022's BBC Centenary Special, titled The Power of the Doctor, Chibnall's nine opportunities to bring his era of Doctor Who to graceful completion are scant even by the BBC's short season standards. The Vanquisher solves, or attempts to solve, this problem by moving at breakneck speed through scenes and sequences of undeniable complexity and visual power that force viewers to pay heed to every precious moment of screen time. Russell T. Davis and Stephen Moffat preferred this accelerated tempo during their days as New Who's showrunner, but Chibnall's embraced it with almost reckless abandon, sometimes leaving his episodes, his characters, and his audiences all gasping for breath as they race to each entry's finish line. Doing so makes the journey exciting even as it distracts viewers, momentarily perhaps, but only momentarily, from inadequacies creeping into the narrative. Yes, this pell-mell rush is an old storyteller's trick, but the question that the Vanquishers confronts is, simply, how well does Chibnall deploy it to end flux on high rather than low notes? The answer, dear listener, is more inspiring than you might imagine. What's all this? Those are my notes, maps and labels relating to these doors. Madam, they are to be approached with caution. I approach everything with caution. Or abandon, one of the two. You okay? I am now. How long has it been for you two? A few years. We went all over the world. She was amazing. She is amazing. Don't go all soppy on me now, Scouse. I missed you. I missed you too. Thanks for the hologram. Who's he? Joseph Williamson. He built all this 19th century. Mad Mo! The Veg Hill! I always wanted to meet you. You're on my list. It's a big list. More of a book. More of a series of books. Well, a small library. Anyway, enough of the small talk. Tell me everything! Short version. Likes to chat to me. I can't get a word in. Well, madam, I was inspecting the start of building work on my land one evening when I found myself in a city of the future. Next day, another part of my land led me to a different alien vista. Multiple rips in the fabric of space and time. In one corner of Liverpool. I became obsessed, as you might imagine. I was able to journey to far off places, experience tremendous, terrifying vista and creatures. So I kept records. I marked where one world became another, structured these tunnels around those records. And then, on one journey, I saw the end of everything. The final flux event. I believed we would be vulnerable. Section 2. Stop. Even cursory viewings of The Vanquishers make clear that Chibnall's imagination was going full throttle when writing Chapter 6's teleplay. 
He jumps from place to place, character to character, and theme to theme adroitly enough that viewers, or at least this viewer, can forgive his tendency to organize Chapter 6 around cliffhangers that, as often as not, build false drama that we know will be resolved the moment the Vanquishers returns to a previous location. This recursive structure cannot, paradoxically enough, diminish the episode's forward momentum which, in some scenes, threatens to go straight off the rails and, in others, permits Chibnall to reward his cast with poignant exchanges that counteract the reams of expository dialogue they hurl at one another. These judgments shouldn't minimize the pleasures of cliffhanger fiction either, since such narrative peaks are crucial to the success of every good thriller, whether in print, on stage, or on screen. In The Vanguishers, however, Chibnall's choice to fill Flux's first five episodes with so much material requires him to adopt a punishing pace that cannot always control the contending events, developments, and characters he sets in motion. Those stretches where the Vanguishers pauses to consider the emotional complications evoked by the Flux's success in annihilating whole sways of the universe become, by contrast, more significant than they might otherwise be. This result permits every actor to shine, however briefly, in an entry that, frame by frame, contains more fine performances than any previous Flux installment. Chibnall also takes a substantial risk by having the 13th Doctor, played by Jodie Whittaker, captured twice. Not only by the Santarans as they pursue their plan to dominate the entire universe, after allying themselves with the Cybermen and the Daleks, but also by Azure, played by Roshenda Sandal, and Swarm, played by Sam Spruill, the sibling ravagers whose quest for revenge against the Doctor long ago passed the point of madness. Being confined to two different cages might seem to jeopardize the Doctor's ability to manage events by turning her into a passive observer rather than an active participant, but, as all longtime Whovians know, the Doctor is never powerless if she retains the ability to speak. And speak she does, incessantly, thanks to an absurd narrative trick that Chibnall concocts. The Doctor, you see, is simultaneously taken hostage by the Sontarans, who remain inside our universe, and by the Ravagers, who occupied the Division space station located in the void that exists outside that universe. This clever bit of time travel hokum is no crazier than the temporal shenanigans that Davis and Moffat invented to get the Doctor out of impossible predicaments, fitting quite comfortably into New Who's tradition of crazy solutions to insane problems. Swarm, who murdered Division's leader Osok, also known as Tecteun, and played by Barbara Flynn, at the conclusion of Chapter 5, by disintegrating her with a touch of his hand, manages to pat the Doctor's head just as she removes the... Conversion plate. ...that allows her to remain safely aboard the Division's space station responsible for generating the flux. Doing so splits the Doctor into three different versions of herself, or trisects her to employ the Doctor's language. One self remains aboard the space station, while the other two travel elsewhere. Yes, friends, Chibnall decides that the Doctor may exist in all three places at once, because Flux's plot demands that she must. Doctor Who, old and new, has endorsed such inventive flimflam since 1963, making this trisection one of the franchise's most enjoyable tomfooleries. 
One version of the Doctor appears on the ship that Lupari warrior Carvanista, played by Craig Ells, commandeered from Bell, played by Thaddea Graham, in Survivors of the Flux, while the second version makes her way to the subterranean tunnels that business magnate Joseph Williamson, played by Steve Oram, dug underneath 19th century Liverpool, England. This locale sees the Doctor finally reconnect with Professor Eustatius Jericho, played by Kevin McNally, whom she first encountered in Chapter 4, titled Village of the Angels, as well as with her two companions, Dan Lewis, played by John Bishop, and Yasmin Yaz Khan, played by Mandip Gill. When the Doctor and Yaz see each other after their long separation, for Yaz, three years have elapsed, their mutual affection surges like a dam that's burst. So powerful is this scene that no viewer can doubt how much the Doctor and Yaz care for one another. So I wish that Chibnall's script and Azir Salim's brisk direction had dilated these moments, permitting them to last longer than four or five seconds, even if Whitaker and Gill, in a triumph of screen acting, make every second count. The Vanguishers, as such, may be better than expected in wrapping up Flux's sprawling plot, but this installment's relentless velocity stops its characters from living and breathing as passionately as they should. This problem dogs the episode from start to finish, but, fortunately for us, Chibnall and his collaborators so skillfully construct Chapter 6 that it succeeds despite these flaws. I'm afraid that my options for exiting are rather non-existent. I can't get the TARDIS in because of the pull of the flux. I've lived more in my time with you than I did during the previous two decades. Who has had a life like mine? I have you now, nameless human. I, sir, am Professor Eustatius Jericho, Scourge of Scoundrels. I wish I'd written that autobiography with a good title. By the wrath of Santa, I will now execute you. I really don't think you're going to have time. Section 3. Run. The Doctor's divided cells give Jodie Whittaker the opportunity to play multiple versions of her whip-smart protagonist. Three times the usual amount, in fact, which seems a fair bargain for an entry that rushes hither and yon. From commenting upon how cute her counterparts are to turning the Santarans' plan to betray their allies against them, Whitaker commands, bluffs, and inveigles with the same deft glint-in-her-eye sparkle that's characterized her performance since Series 11's opening episode, titled The Woman Who Fell to Earth. Mandip Gill, as always, invests Yaz with the intelligence, empathy, and pluck that makes her among my favorite New Who companions from any era. Whether helping herself, Dan, Jericho, and Williamson escape Santoran soldiers while yelling, or making the doctor explain, rather than just spout technobabble, Gil is so good that I wish she were more prominently featured here. 
The Vanquishers include such a crowded field of characters that, apart from the Doctor, no one receives much screen time. But the 13th Doctor's longest-serving companion deserves better, especially since her time aboard the TARDIS will end when 13 departs at the Centenary Special's conclusion. John Bishop, amiable as always, plays Dan as a man more secure in his tasks as companion after three years crisscrossing the globe with Yaz and Jericho. As he tells the doctor about Yaz, She was amazing. She is amazing. Which, while true enough, would be nice to see in greater detail. Everyone's favorite scouse remains a charming and welcome character, which is the best testament to Bishop's good work in a role that's only been part of New Who's principal cast for six episodes. The tendency to show rather than tell, or, in the case of the Vanquishers, to show as much as it tells, remains one of Chibnall's authorial inclinations that scenes like the Doctor's reunion with Yaz and Dan cannot preempt. Chapter 6, indeed, includes so many reunions. Belle finds Vendor, played by Jacob Anderson. Dan reconnects with Diane, played by Nadia Albina. Jericho again sees Claire Brown, played by Annabelle Scully, that they risk becoming routine rather than joyful. Why? This outing's frazzled pace is the culprit. Chibnall's mission to resolve most of Flux's loose ends precludes him from slowing down to allow his characters sufficient space to celebrate their victories. Still, seeing Vendor and Gemma Redgrave's formidable Kate Lethbridge-Stewart give Craig Parkinson's oleogonous Grand Serpent a generous helping of poetic justice helps offset Chapter 6's blemishes. Plus, Jericho gets one of the best death scenes in all New Who, when, trapped aboard a Santaran vessel about to be destroyed by the Flux shockwave, he discovers that he cannot teleport away. As he confronts a Santaran soldier bent on executing him, Jericho utters these terrific lines, written for him by Chibnall. I, sir, am Professor Eustatius Jericho, scourge of scoundrels. I wish I'd written that autobiography. What a good title. Kevin McNally is fabulous here, as he has been throughout his three Flux appearances, delivering Jericho's final words. What an awfully big adventure. With the same curiosity, bravery, and resolute English reserve that causes the Doctor, in Village of the Angels, to call him a... Proper scientist. Jericho is the only fatality that Flux's expanded Team TARDIS sustains. Casualties are foregone conclusions in a storyline that nearly obliterates the universe, but we might expect Jericho's loss to register more forcefully with Yaz and Dan than it does. Chibnall, however, must keep events moving at a hasty clip, which at least treats us to the sight of two doctors aboard the TARDIS once the Vanquishers enters its final act. And, in a narrative coup, Chibnall allows Diane, the Museum of Liverpool employee who caught Dan's eye in the Halloween apocalypse, to provide the crucial suggestion for ending the flux once and for all. Azure has trapped Diane inside Passenger, played by Johnny Mathers, the living container whose endless interior landscapes, in feats of dimensional engineering as impressive as the TARDIS being bigger on the inside, offer infinite space to imprison whomever and whatever Passenger's operator desires. Yet Diane escapes by shrewdly observing passengers in her workings and then reasoning her way out, equipping her to recommend that the doctor utilize passengers' limitless matter to counteract the antimatter eddies that, in one of New Who's most impressive visual effects shots, ripple through deep space after the flux shockwave raises the Cybermen, Dalek, and Santaran fleets. The doctor shouts,
in an exciting resolution helped along by composer Sagan Akinola's marvelous music. Yes, it's thrilling. Yes, it's silly. Yes, it's mad. Yes, it's somehow in some way perfect. In other words, textbook Doctor Who. Savior, we have come to release you. And yet I'm still encaged in this pitiful realm of Atromos. No. Soon the flux, the flux is extinguished. What? You bring me here to announce you failed. Sure, you press the right button. I warned you not to play games with us, Doctor. I've been with you the whole time. Well, most of me has. So however much you wanted to break time out of prison, you just have to make do with visiting hours. They didn't even bring you a cake. We brought you, Doctor. Take her, the timeless child. A sacrifice, she is yours. But how would I reward your failure of my services? Appeal thing works now. My turn now, is it? My reckoning. No. Oh. Really? You can leave here, but you won't outrun me. Your time is heading to its end. No. It's not. You're wrong. Nothing is forever. No regeneration. No life. Beware of the forces that mass against you. And their master. What do you mean? What do you mean, their master? I restore you, Doctor. Reunify you. But for how long? Section 4. Fly. The Vanquishers includes other nuggets so tantalizing that expanding this episode to 90 minutes, or even 2 hours, would improve Flux's final chapter. Carvanista, for instance, reveals that he was once the Fugitive Doctor's most loyal companion. Craig Ells is excellent when, as Carvanista, he wistfully tells the Doctor, There was a time I'd do anything for you, but you left me. I put the whole universe between us. And you come crashing back in as if nothing had ever happened. Who wouldn't want to hear more of this conversation? Yet, thanks to the constraints imposed by Chapter 6's 60-minute running time, the Doctor can only reply, I don't have those memories. Which, no matter how one measures it, is a slap in the face to a character whose bravery proves crucial to the Doctor successfully vanquishing the Flux. Even so, this theme of the Doctor leaving behind companions who can only mourn their loss is among Flux's and New Who's most powerful, going straight back to Russell T. Davis's era. See especially Series 1's spectacular two-part finale, titled Bad Wolf and The Parting of the Ways, Series 2's School Reunion, and Donna Noble's final arc in Series 4, i.e. its three remarkable concluding episodes, titled Turn Left and the fabulous two-part finale, The Story 
stolen earth and journey's end. Stephen Moffat explored this premise when bidding farewell to each one of the 11th and 12th Doctor's companions, with Series 7's The Angels Take Manhattan and The Snowmen, Series 9's Masterful Face the Raven and Heaven Sent, and Series 10's Twice Upon a Time, all meditating upon the grief that the Time Lord and his companions feel when their journeys together reach their inevitable ends. Series 13 is no different, with the threat of such separation undergirding Flux from its opening sequence. Right at the start of the Halloween apocalypse, Yaz scolds the Doctor for not sharing more of her vast life experience with her friends, echoing statements made by Tozen Coles, Ryan Sinclair, and Bradley Walsh's Graham O'Brien during Series 11 and 12, especially the latter's fifth entry, titled Fugitive of the Jadoon. Chibnall returns to this notion in every subsequent Flux chapter, often subtly, but when the Vanguishers reaches its penultimate scene, the Doctor finally apologizes for her reticence. I want to tell you everything. The Doctor promises Yaz. Let's hope at least one of Jodie Whittaker's final appearances will dramatize this conversation, but given Chibnall's penchant for writing the 13th Doctor as an increasingly secretive and closed-off friend, after discovering that she is, in fact, the timeless child, we shouldn't count on this exchange coming to pass. Then there's the tiny matter of the universe's status as Flux winds down its final minutes. Carvanista, Vinder, and Bell return to their Lupari vessel so that they can, I guess, explore what's left of the universe. This scene, although well played by Craig Ells, Jacob Anderson, and Thaddea Graham, remains incredibly odd given that the Santarans earlier exterminate all other Lupari, leaving Carvanista the last member of his species, itself a long-standing New Who theme. One might imagine that Carvanista's grief over this outcome would eclipse making jokes about how he wished he'd never saved Dan Lewis's life, but since no one explicitly states that, the Doctor reverses the Flux's effects, most of the universe must still lie in ruins. Vender even says that he, Bell, and Carvanista can pick up work, perhaps by helping the Flux's survivors rebuild their lives, but The Vanguishers isn't, as far as I can tell, a reset button episode in which the Doctor erases all signs of trouble. This aftermath is dramatically preferable to its opposite even if Chapter 6's final moments downplay the Flux's staggering consequences. The best we can say about this oversight on Chibnall's part is that it may not be an oversight at all. The 13th Doctor's three additional installments give her time, one, to manage the Flux's widespread annihilation, two, to mitigate its effects as much as possible, or three, to find ways to reverse them. Unless incoming showrunner Russell T. Davis wishes to inherit a New Who cosmos, so wounded that the 14th Doctor must repair its damage, I presume Chibnall will undo these losses before the 13th Doctor exits once and for all. This likelihood may also explain why the final ten minutes of The Vanguishers mimic significant aspects of the Tenth Doctor's final adventures. The sight of two Doctors on board the TARDIS, solving the crisis before them while standing amidst numerous companions, recalls those glorious concluding minutes of Series 4's Journey's End, where the Tenth Doctor, played by David Tennant, watches his companions from Series 1, 2, 3, and 4 fly the stolen Earth back to its proper location in our solar system. Moreover, this installment's villain, the Dalek's creator, Davros, played by Julian Bleach, tries to detonate a reality bomb that, like the Flux, is deadly enough to destroy all creation. 
More worrying, however, is the message that the 13th Doctor receives from time itself when the Ravagers return her to the Temple of Atropos. Since their first appearance in the Halloween Apocalypse, Azure and Swarm have struggled to free time from the shackles constraining it. But the Doctor's success in extinguishing the Flux shockwave so upsets time that it murders both siblings. Considering how dangerous they have been throughout Flux, Chibnall takes the easy way out by having their patron, Time, execute Azure and Swarm for failure. One detail, however, is significant. Azure beatifically utters the word just before she disintegrates, which faithful New Who viewers recall as the Time Lord President Rassilon's mad plan, meaning that the Time Lords will transcend their corporeal forms and descend into beings of pure consciousness in Tenet Swan Song titled The End of Time Part 2. Time then reintegrates the Doctor into a single person before saying, You won't outrun me. Your time is heading to its end. No. It's not. You're wrong. Nothing is forever. No regeneration. No life. Beware of the forces that mass against you and their master. These words remind us of the disturbing prophecy that the psychic Carmen, played by Ellen Lewis, makes in 2009's Easter special, titled Planet of the Dead, where she tells the Tenth Doctor, Your song is ending, sir. It is returning. It is returning through the dark. And then, Doctor... Oh, but then... He will knock four times. Time's portents spell doom for the 13th Doctor, no doubt at the hands of Sasha Dewan's spymaster. Although Time replies, No. When the Doctor asks if, My reckoning. Is upon her, such penance is now inevitable, if not in Eve of the Daleks and Legend of the Sea Devils, then certainly in the Centenary Special. The Tenth Doctor's regeneration results from his hubris in declaring himself, The Time Lord Victorious. During 2009's The Waters of Mars, so Chibnall, by ending the Vanquishers with Time's prophecy, suggests that Doctor Thirteen must atone not only for allowing the Ravagers and Division to create the Flux, but also for unwittingly inspiring their actions. If I were to guess, the Centenary Special will see the 13th Doctor sacrifice her life to restore the universe to pristine condition, perhaps mortally wounding herself while putting the Flux's destruction right, or depleting herself while struggling to unlock her memories of the Timeless Child, or both. My predictions rarely come true, but Chibnall ends Flux with the Doctor weeping a single tear as she contemplates Time's prophecy. Why echo the Tenth Doctor's fate, even elliptically, if not to imply that Thirteen will depart in similar fashion and for similar reasons? Time, of course, will tell, but for now, rest easy in knowing that the Vanquishers and Doctor Who Flux are better than some online commentators have proclaimed. Both, indeed, are best described as qualified successes. Chibnall swings and swings and swings, but only occasionally misses, making his batting average better than anticipated. Yet I still wish Chibnall had devoted Series 13 to Yaz and the Doctor, enjoying fun escapades with new aliens on new planets inside history itself. 
Flux is a busy, barmy, and brassy tale that, in the end, remains too much to handle or contain. This last judgment describes so many Doctor Who episodes and seasons that Chibnall, his cast, and his crew can and should feel proud of their accomplishments in bringing Series 13 to the screen. This serial's lapses, after all, make its splendors all the more precious, which, for me, becomes as fitting a place as any to conclude these reviews of Doctor Who Flux. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Vestibule Podcast. Please visit the newsletter's website at vestibule.substack.com to read this entry, to explore the images and linked resources available there, and to access all other posts. Until next time, this is Jason Vest, wishing you good humor and good cheer. Music